they just assume like, oh, I bet you and Brian can't keep your hands off of each other. And it's like, I think people would be really disappointed to hear currently about our sex life. And I'm okay with it that it's not living up to the expectations that people think of us. We are long removed from the fantasy suite. So Brian, will you accept this rose? Yes, absolutely. And frankly, too, because I'm just tired these days. I'm exhausted. And I wish more people would talk about that, right? What's up, lovers and friends? Welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast where we talk about all things intimacy, relationships, love, sex. Every week, Aishan Boudram, intimacy expert and sexologist, is bringing you real knowledge from research and real experiences from my guests so that you can reflect and work on your own intimate life. So far, we've covered topics like how to enter the world of consensual non-monogamy, tips from gay men on how to be better in bed, and how to creatively tell your partner how to have mind-blowing sex with you. This is why I am living for this week's topic. Actually, I'm going to phrase our opening question, how our starring guest from this week, Rachel Lindsay, loosely worded it to me. What do you do if you're in a place where you are madly in love with your partner and madly in love with the moves and choices you're making in life? But one of those choices is to put your sex life on the back burner, or maybe more accurately, in the fridge. So with twice a day, do do you well? Uh, now, twi- <laughs> twice a day is out of the question. Uh, always too tired. I've got... Oh, but baby, I'm so tired. How come? <laughs> oh, but baby, I'm so tired. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm gonna take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends. Uh, I'm gonna hold you down, down to the end, I say. Sex is the difference between being roommates and romantic mates. If your sex life is struggling, that's a sign that passion is dying. In a healthy relationship, people should be having sex at least twice a week. Now, maybe you've heard some of these phrases before, and if you open up your Twitter to yell at me while listening to them, it's likely that you don't like them, and furthermore, that this episode is for you. The real truth is most people who are in long-term, and by long-term, I mean companionate relationships where you now rely on each other for more than just passion— would disagree with those statements because our sex lives are a not linear. They ebb and they flow and the imbalance and unpredictability is often a part of the balance. And B, our sex lives are just that. They're ours. It's not really something that people on the outside who really can't look in, unless that's your kink, can or should be diagnosing. To be clear, I'm not discounting the fact that a lack of sexual intimacy can be a real problem in relationships. What I'm sharing is that for a lot of other people, it's their current and ideal solution. I am an asexual queer woman and my spouse is a hypersexual non-binary individual. We've been together seven years and the key to our success, I think, has been decoupling intimacy from sex and also getting creative with the definitions of partnered versus solo sex. I think I am in a place where sex is not important. I feel like I'm working on my faith right now. And I think my faith is more important than me having sex. I have been with my partner for a little bit under five years. We are currently engaged, have been for the past six months. We're in a very healthy relationship. We love each other more than anything. Uh, If sex is a priority, yes, it is. Are we having sex right now? No. But yeah, sex, 
hasn't really even crossed my mind. I feel like I'm not in a place where I want to be touched by a new human. Um, so I think it's the first time that I'm not frustrated by the lack of it. And that, my lover and my friends, is what we're here to talk about today. Low sex drive, that's not personally frustrating to the person who's experiencing it. Notice I said personally, doesn't mean it's not frustrating to their partner, Zuh, and we will get to that later. But right now, let's talk. So I worked on a campaign for this company, Unblush, a couple of years ago that provided medication for hypoactive sexual desire disorder, or HSDD for short. HSDD is a common, treatable medical condition characterized by ongoing, frustrating, low sexual desire that has been recognized by the medical community for decades. HSDD is the most common sexual dysfunction in women, and it affects about one in 10 women in the U.S., some as young as 20. It's believed to be an imbalance of chemicals in the brain that controls sexual desire. It is also associated with negative emotional states, including frustration, hopelessness, anger, and poor self-esteem. Now, my favorite thing about working on this campaign and learning about HSDD was the constant use of the word frustrating. And this is for the person with low sex drive. Meaning, low sex drive is only a disorder if it bothers you. If it doesn't, it's a detail of your life. And like all details, just because it's not for everybody doesn't mean it needs to be erased or altered. For example, it's important to note that there's a huge difference between HSDD, asexuality, and causal low sex drive. The main difference, of course, is it's characterized by frustration and a desire to see an increase. So for those who identify under the ACE umbrella or those who accept low sex drive as a current detail of their life and as a result aren't looking for a solution, they don't need a diagnosis and don't need suggestions or solutions. What they might need is understanding and alignment with their partner. Zuh. And that's what this episode is all about. For people who want to talk about frustrating low sex drive, that's a very real thing for a very separate episode. Speaking of frustrating, let me just say, probably the only frustrating thing about this podcast success is that now I am inundated with nonstop emails and follow-up emails from experts and CEOs of companies and PR companies requesting for their person with this new product line to come on as a guest, which to me clearly indicates that they have never listened to an episode because here's how we actually do things. I ask a friend, a person I admire, or a person with an interesting platform to come on as a guest. And then I ask that person what they're currently going through in their intimate life or a recent aha they've had about their own experiences. We decide on one aha, and then we get together and talk for about 30 minutes or so. After that, I build the episode around that topic. I share that to say how grateful I am for the way that we do things around here because the truth is... I would have never come up with this topic on my own, which is bananas because I'm currently going through this exact thing, which is also why I brought Jared on to discuss this in the third segment. We've been probably less sexual than we've been in our entire relationship. What are you feeling? How are you, how's it been for you? Um, you know what? It's, it's, I understand more than I did last um, time. I understand more in the sense of like, you're going through a lot of changes and it's just, it's a lot of energy for you to just to get out of bed. I will admit that it is tough. And that is why I am ultra double grateful to Rachel for bringing her truth here and truly 
creating an incredible episode. Now I say double grateful because I was already grateful for Rachel Lindsay's existence. Rachel is known for making history as the first African-American lead in the franchise's history on the 13th season of ABC's The Bachelorette. Rachel Lindsay is an attorney, media personality, speaker, and podcaster who currently works as an on-air correspondent with Extra and is the host of Extra on Snapchat. Okay, let me break down that bio a smidge more because I need you to follow up and find Rachel's work, okay? Her podcast is called Higher Learning. There, she and Van Lathan dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports. Her book, which came out last week and made multiple bestseller lists, Miss Me With That is comprised of wide-ranging essays where Rachel opens up about her experience on ABC's hit show and reveals everything about her life off-camera, from a childhood growing up in Dallas, Texas, to her disastrous dating life prior to appearing on The Bachelor, to the drama that unfolded last year between her and the now ex-long-running host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Now, by the end of this podcast, I'm just going to put it out there. You're going to get your life and get this book. So let's get into it. But first, we got to dip into this. What's up? It's good to see you. Right? It's so good to see you. This is why I forced this to be in person, even though it's irresponsible given the times. But I was like, I so selfishly enjoy our time together so much. I do too. And you did not force it. Okay. She didn't force it. Because I I like the energy. And it's one, selfishly just to see each other again. But two, like we can vibe off one another. Let me just get this question out of the way. I know I said I was getting on focus. What's the question? Because I just finished watching The Bachelor's at season with... Michelle. Michelle. Yes. When was the first time you and Brian had sex? All right, hold on. I realize I've given no backstory into Rachel's relationship because I just assume everyone watches The Bachelorette. Yeah, you should not assume that. Okay, yeah, I get it. So here's what you missed if you didn't watch Rachel's season. Rachel and Brian Abasolo fell in love during her Bachelorette season, which aired in 2017, and the duo tied the knot in 2019. Brian is a chiropractor and podcaster whose podcast I've joyfully been on twice. Brian and Rachel are one of my fave power couples who have moved cities and mountains together. And I love keeping up with their love story. Okay, that's all. We can head back now. When was the first time you and Brian had sex? Fantasy Suites. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Fantasy Suites. Is everybody fucking in the Fantasy Suites? Uh, You're a fool if you're not. Okay. You got to test out the equipment. Okay. Let me tell you something. You are spending, it's nine weeks before you get to the fantasy suite. So yeah. think you're like kissing these men. You're going on these magical dates. You haven't had sex in nine weeks. You are ready. Like by the time you get in there, you're like, you just want to rip but each other's But is it back to on. back? Is there's a day in between. That's fun. <laughs> I so love that I'm on this podcast. It is fun and it's liberating. And I think there's power in being able to say like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. You get in the suite. There's like a bowl of condoms. Maybe what was fantasy suite sex like? Well, it happened more than once. I okay. took my with Brian. <laughs> okay. And it was... I remember Brian was so... He's going to kill me for saying this. I don't even think I've ever... I've never talked about it in detail. So let's go. Brian was ready to go the moment we were left alone. Like he like jumped me. And I remember I pushed him back and I was like, no, I have so many questions I want to ask you. And I pull out this legal pad and I had all these questions from my family because he had met my family at that point. So there were some issues that they wanted answered. And so I was like, okay, I want to ask these questions, questions that I had, just general questions like 
credit score and stuff like that. Stuff. And like, what, how do you vote and your religion, all that. And, um, and he was like, okay, that's enough with the questions. I remember he snatched the thing out of me and not in a disrespectful way. It was just like, we both want this. And then all bets were off. It was absolutely amazing. You know how, okay, I'm, I'm digressing a bit. I have a three-time rule. It's not always magical the first time, mm-hmm. right? And so I'll, I'll excuse that. And the second time, maybe we're finding our rhythm. If by the third time, it's not great, we gotta go. Like if I really like you and I want it to be good. First time with Brian was exceptional. But really and true, like you said, you had nine weeks of collecting information about each other. Mm-hmm. So he already yeah. knew a lot about you intimately. Not sexually though. But I would imagine that that would, one, allow for you to be more comfortable asking questions and two, just have mm-hmm. a general sense of like, do you like aggressive? Do you want to be dominated? We can talk about that. Oh, interesting. Nothing. When you detour from talking about your feelings and maybe the other men, the producers are going to say to you, let's get back on track. Mm. Save that, those questions for later. So I never really thought about that until you said it. We never got to talk about the way we like to be sexed. So do you think that the culture that was set within the dynamic of the production continued on afterwards. So I want to kind of circle back to what you said about sex, Mm -hmm. where talking about your sexual wants, needs, desires, it wasn't like the producer's desire. That was like, that's not what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. We need you to talk about this date with this dude, da-da-da-da-da. So because that wasn't encouraged, do you feel like it was more difficult to circle back once you were out of that environment to say, okay, let's reset our sexual relationship, even though it seemed like it went off with a bang or several bangs that night? It did go off with several bangs. Um, we never reset. We never thought about it. And, and I think maybe that's where my lack, the, it took me a long time to develop and be comfortable about talking about things sexually just because of how I was raised. And so for me, there was a lot of shame in talking about it publicly. So we never had that conversation, but it's interesting you say that because now as we're in real life and the honeymoon phase is over, we didn't have those conversations. And so like the newness wears off. And maybe if we had established that, maybe we would be, I guess, more understanding of what the other person needs rather than just doing what I want or what he wants. Yeah, I would say that that there's a catch-22 with having that immediate chemistry. The beautifulness is that you just get this sense of like, wow, Mm -hmm. and the connection that you share. And then Mm -hmm. also two people always are gonna ask about the first time. You get to tell this amazing story about like, oh my God, it was incredible the first night, da-da-da-da. Nobody wants to tell the story of like, so um, he missed. (laughs) (laughs) It was nothing like uh, that. (laughs) Called his mom, it was awkward. But what's great sometimes about those rough starts is it sets the tone right away to we got to work on this. We got to talk about this. We have to reconfigure this. And as a result of that, you move forward with the energy that it's okay to course correct. Yeah. So when you start off great, now starting to, because as you, you know, like you said, either one, it's the difference and changes in relationship naturally over time. Two, Mm -hmm. it could be your body. Three, your kinks and things could evolve. It can become more difficult to bring up and course correct because you're like, this person feels like we just get each other. And if Mm -hmm. I tell them that we're not getting each other right now, how is that going to make them feel? So I found this quote from your lovely husband who I've worked with probably equally to working with you. Rachel just had an X factor. She was a triple threat. Brains, beauty, personality, great sense of humor. Brian, that's four. That's fine though. (laughs) Everything on paper was top notch. She keeps me on my toes. She challenges me to be a better man. Triple threat, quadruple threat all the things, making him a better person. And yet still, societally, you're made to believe that's not enough. 
the idea that you can still be an incredible partner, yes. beautiful, successful, push your partner, and you're expected to also be a porn star and a magical Correct. lover at the end of it. Yeah. And then there's this expectation that comes with that, that because you're great at certain things or many things that you're great at everything. And I think there's a big misconception with me because I am very dominant and I'm strong and I'm opinionated and I like to control a lot. I am not like that in the bedroom. I have to control so much in my life that when it comes to the bedroom, I like to be controlled. I like to be a little bit more submissive and I like for you to take charge. That's something that we had we learned later in our relationship. And I think he assumed that about me just because that's how I am in every other aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too, but I love that what you brought up is that as a black woman in particular, there is so much responsibility that you are naturally expected to take mm-hmm. on. And there's in as a wife, there's so much responsibility you're naturally expected to take on that maybe this is one particular area that you don't really want the burden of pressure. I don't. I don't. And it doesn't mean that I don't want it. And I think that's something sometimes too. It's like if you're not, if I'm not being that dominant, it makes it feel like makes him feel like that's not what you want. You don't want that right now. And it's like, no, that's not necessarily the case. So it's like, as I'm, I feel like I'm in therapy right now. It's like, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm like, these are conversations that we probably need to have more because the assumptions that come when it comes to the bedroom sometimes hinder the the sexual relationship between the two, you know? And then, then life also just gets in the way where you're just so busy and so exhausted that you focus on so many other things and you prioritize other things that sex gets put on the back burner, you know? Or you being this porn star in the bedroom gets put on the back burner. And so sex isn't as exciting or as adventurous as it used to be or it can be at times. I wonder if you identify with this story. I think I told you this already. Is um, So I work with this company that's called Beducated. And essentially, it's like masterclass for sex. Oh. So you sign up and they have all these various courses that you can take and mm-hmm. how to be better at giving uh, genital massages, how to be better at giving fellatio, how mm-hmm. to squirt, how to have tantric sex, how to have orgasmic breathing. There's all these mm-hmm. courses. And so I had a code and I said to my sister, like, oh, like I have an extra code. Do you want it? And she's like, I'm going to be honest. I have zero interest in getting better at this. Hey, it's Lauren. And before you react to what was just said, allow me to elaborate a little. Since the pandemic hit, our kids are around 24-7. They're going to bed later. They're homeschooling. Like there's just no space for it. And I think I've just gotten used to there not being space for it. And we've just been bombarded with so many other distractions right now, like moving our entire family from Canada to Los Angeles, starting a new career. Like it's just not the thing that I'm currently committed to figuring out. (laughs) I just love that though. (laughs) I just love that. See, I, there were certain things you said that I would actually be interested in. But I love, thank you. Thank you to Lauren. Yes. Lauren for saying that because you're speaking for so many women. You know, I we are not porn stars. That too, you know, like our men, our men watch porn and they sometimes think that that's how it's supposed to be. It's not. And it's, I used to think that I was supposed to be like that, that I had to perform. I have to dress up. I have to have the toy and I have all that, the toys, all that stuff, you know, that I had to be that person. But I guess for me, it wasn't necessarily the turn on. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't make me want, I didn't have that desire to have sex 
just because I was trying to be something that I was not. Do you know what I love though that you said? You're like, and I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. Because you know what? A question I used to get or an assumption was that I was, Brian and I were freaky all the time. Because when you watched us on the show, we were always making out. We were all over each other. Of course, you know, there there are certain stereotypes with a black woman as well. We're this Jezebel and we're so, you know, freaky as well and love to have sex all the time. And they just assume like, oh, I bet you and Brian can't keep your hands off of each other. And it's like, I think people would be really disappointed to hear currently about our sex life. And I'm okay with it that it's not living up to the expectations that people think of us. We are long removed from the fantasy suite. And frankly too, because I'm just tired these days. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. And I wish more people would talk about that, right? I wish more people would talk about this. I I hate questions sometimes that are like, how many times do y'all have sex a week? And then you're sitting with a room. I remember I was doing a podcast one time and I was, they were like, how many times do you have sex a week? And they were asking certain people. It was like a round table and everyone was like three to five, three to five. And I just lied. I was just like, whatever number I said, it wasn't true. It wasn't true, whatever I said. But I just remember thinking in that moment, the pressure we feel to, to, live up to people's expectations when it comes to sex. And if you don't have sex this much a week or a month, then your relationship isn't on the same level as that other person's. Mm -hmm. And I wish we'd talk about more that like, no, sometimes it's zero this week. And sometimes it might be four or five, but it's inconsistent because that's just how life is. And I just hate living up to people's sexual expectations. Especially, I think, going back to that quote that I read, when you provide so much in a relationship and there's Mm -hmm. so much harmony and joy and entrainment within the relationship, Mm -hmm. the expectation that this has to be not just the cherry on top, the glue that holds all together. Yeah. Where it's like, I, it's okay if I'm dropping a ball. Yes. Yes. Like, why do we have to you know, I was listening to Gabrielle Union talk about it, like all the hats that we're supposed to wear as women. And if you drop one thing or if you're not doing something, then you're not whole, you're not fulfilled. You know, I get a lot of questions right now about like, why aren't you and why don't you and Brian have a child? I can put up a beautiful video of me and Brian or talk about a beautiful experience that we had. And it's like, okay, that's great. But when are we getting a baby? Mm -hmm. And I just, I hate that. I hate, and I, they don't do that to men. You know, nobody's writing on Brian's page. When are you going to have children? You know, it does take two at the end of the day. (laughs) But for some reason it's on me and it's my problem and it's my fault. Mm. It's my fault that we're not having children. And I feel like sometimes if I am not, you know, we're not having sex as, as much as I feel like we should, sometimes I feel like it's my fault. Not that Brian ever places that blame on me. I just feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. And I feel like as a society, that's because as a society, we hold women to a completely different standard than we do with men. Is it possible to separate yourself from that standard? To completely free yourself of that standard? I don't think so. I, 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 I'm aware of it, which I guess is the first step. And I recognize that there are these double standards when it comes to women. But I'd be lying if I didn't say sometimes I still fight trying to fulfill every single one of them. Mm -hmm. I still want to be great in all things. And I think in trying to do that or chase that, because that's impossible to do, I exhaust myself in the process. And then other parts of my life suffer. You know, right now, anybody who follows me knows that I'm working, working, working all the time. And I'm 
achieving certain dreams and desires and goals that I've always wanted to have. But on the back end, you know, another dream I wanted to have was to get married and find someone who I connect with and who's a partner in life with me. And I got that. But it's like when I'm giving so much in this bucket, the other one suffers. Yes. And I feel like sometimes I'm I'm going through that right now. And that's important to say, because people want to talk to me all the time, especially with the book coming out, you and Brian or how things are going and things are great with me and Brian, but they could be better. Can I just be honest about that? They could be better. You know, I wish sometimes that I could devote more but love and attention But if I the same thing about your career, how are things going with your career, would you say better. great, but it could be better? It could be better. It could be better. But it's so much easier to say that than it is to say that my relationship could be better. And we're not struggling. We're not having a problem. Please don't create a headline about that. It's just, we could be better and I want to be better. Something happened in my relationship or maybe four months ago where I had so much pressure on me to be incredible sexually in my relationship, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. There's so much Mm -hmm. pressure on me to be amazing and the best he's ever had every single time and bringing new things to the table and constantly reinventing our sex life. And there was this event that happened between him and I that that completely shook up everything. And it was actually really freeing for me because I realized that I actually don't have to be the sex expert in this relationship. Mm-hmm. We both have a responsibility to try to create the best experience together, but there's a lot that I'm, I don't know. I've never really had sex before with somebody who I parented with for a year. Yeah, I've never had sex with somebody before when we couldn't make mortgage one month and there was some stress in the house. And then how did that impact our sex life? Like as much as this is a partner I've had for a long time, we're experiencing mm-hmm. new things that are bringing new sides of us out. And even like right now, I'm in currently in a season where I'm like, I really don't give a fuck about fucking. <laughs> I really don't. And there's a couple times, you know what I mean? I'm gonna be honest, maybe in the past month, I've been like, hey, do you want a hand job? Like, that's what I can offer you. <laughs> and that's okay. So even though I acknowledge that it could be better, I'm also okay with right now being a season where this is what I have and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing because I'm like, you're better than me. Oh. I, I can't, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even going to give you a hand job right now. You know what I mean? I'll offer you a like, hand job. Why, why don't you go watch some porn or something to do, <laughs> take care of yourself? I am exhausted. I can't even give that. But I love that you're saying that. Sometimes you're just in a period or maybe in a little funk where you don't feel like giving yourself sexually. And it's maybe it's maybe it's a little selfish, but maybe it's also like, I just don't feel like I can give my best self to you right now. Yes. And I don't want to have lazy sex and I don't want to just do it out of pity because that can still exist in a, in a marriage as well. It's like, I want to be my best when I give it to you. But like, sometimes you're just in a funk. So I feel like our relationship started out in a way where it there were like high expectations sexually. And now we are very much so in the routine of life. So is it about trying to get back to that or trying to feel good about the new normal? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like it's somewhere in between because we're never going to have that consistently like we did before in the beginning, like those secret, those first three or four months. But I think it's, I don't want to stay in the place that I'm in right now, but I want to first talk about it and say, it's okay. It's okay. But how do I get to a place where, you know, we can, we need to take it up a few notches and then we both can know what our expectations are. You know, like don't necessarily expect like fantasy suite, you know, happy couples weekend, Rachel and Brian, but where's the, the, the in-between? I want to close out in talking about the reverse of this because I experienced this as well, mm-hmm. where your partner 
is going through a period of time where they're like, I just do not have any interest. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was pregnant, Jared was just like, not interested or turned on at all by me. Actually, I'm very proud of us for that. We started out as fuck buddies, Mm -hmm. which I think is amazing because the whole premise of fuck buddies is we're just here to have great sex. The culture of that sexually has led to us having really good, honest conversations where I can say to him like, I do not want to suck your dick at all for the next month. (laughs) Don't bring it around. (laughs) Have no interest. Um, But... He, because we have that open dialogue, it also leads to the person being able to say things to you that sometimes not that comfortable. So I remember asking him a question. I said, is your sex drive lower right now? Or is your drive to have sex with me lower, but your sex drive is the same? My sex drive is the same, but my, my drive to have sex with you is lower. Wow. And I was like, I think you have to watch the video and play it because it's my face is shown where you're like the secretly trying to like Because you don't want to discourage your partner from being honest, but also you're like, it's over. (laughs) But then I had to also realize that's okay. Like that, that just, he wasn't turned on by that time and the idea of a child being there. And of course, like the added responsibility of health. And there was other factors involved in it, whatever. But I think that that's okay too, that our partners are not either one in a place to have sex or two, just whatever reason, don't feel sexually compatible with us. That's amazing that he was honest enough to say that to you, to your face. I know, but you were also <laughs> like, ugh. What? <laughs> but it's, but I mean, imagine if he would have lied to you. Right. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have done either one of you any favors in your relationship. So I think that that's a great lesson. Maybe that's a question I'll ask him. So if Brian was going through a phase where he's like, this is just not an area of interest of mine. You guys talked about it and he said, I'm gonna be honest with you right now. This is just an area of mine right now that I'm just not interested in working on. Well, right now I would be relieved because I'd be like, okay, well, good. I'm not there either. And it would take off this pressure because I think about it. I think about how I am not in a place of it all the time. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, what if tonight he's ready to, and I am just not feeling it. I I add another level of stress to myself. So if he said that and he was feeling the same way I was, I'd be like, whoo, thank goodness. Okay. So I don't even have to think about this tonight. That's beautiful. Is it? Well, I think it's beautiful because (laughs) we want to be able to tell our partners these things about them taking it personal. Mm -hmm. And so we have to in turn have that same grace for them. Yeah. And it's, I am so sexually attracted to Brian. Like, I I really am, but it's just, I don't want to do the act of sex right now. That's really what it is. So if he asked me that same question that you asked Jared, I would be like, no, it's not that I'm not sexually attracted to you. I just don't want to have sex right now. I just don't feel like doing that physical activity. And to be fair, I don't really feel like doing any kind of workout right now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the place that I'm in. I love Rachel's commitment to honesty and authenticity in all that she does. And if you feel the same way and you love those qualities, you're going to be obsessed with Rachel. So I'm going to say it again. Rachel just released her very first book. It is filled with hot takes. It's filled with drama. It's filled with truth, with revelations. It's a love story. It's a life story. It's a life lesson. It's called Miss Me With That. Make sure you pick up a copy wherever you find books. You can also keep up to date with Rachel by joining her healthy Instagram community at the Rachel Lindsay. All of this will be put in the show notes. Okay, so at the top of this episode, I teased this and throughout the interview, I sprinkled it in that right now your girl, acclaimed sexologist and sex positive queen, is not having sex. And furthermore, 
I'm really happy about that. So I'm bringing on my husband, Jared Brady, to get his thoughts on Rachel's segment and on our current sex life or lack thereof. We're going for it and getting into it, but right after this. Hi, Shan. Hi, Jared Brady. I love you. I love you too. Thanks for coming on my podcast for the billionth time. My dad was like, you need more friends and people in your life. It's always the same individuals. I think I've only been on here like three times. Three times too many for my dad. All right. I am curious to know what your reflections are based on Rachel's interview. I think overall, their relationship seems very healthy. It seems like they have communication. It seems like they're pretty forward, especially if she's comfortable to talk about this type of subject publicly. You know, so I commend her for that. I'm what I'm trying to do is make sure what happened last time doesn't happen again. Can I just give quick context? Because I think people might not understand okay. what we're saying. What we're saying is that there's a clip that we put out last year that Jared put on TikTok that ended up going viral. Is your sex drive lower right now? Or is your drive to have sex with me lower, but your sex drive is the same? My sex drive is the same, but my, my drive to have sex with you is lower. And the comment section of that clip was really negative towards Jared about expressing his lack of desire to have sex with his pregnant wife. And I appreciate that we have the kind of relationship where I can ask you, because when I asked you that question, I was genuinely dumbfounded. Like I have this partner who always wants to have sex, who all of a sudden, I don't really ever hear about it. There's Mm -hmm. no advances. There's no talk of it. Like what's going on? So I was like, what's, and I checked in with you and then you gave me the honest answer. The point that I'm trying to make is that in the space of somebody not being turned on by their partner, is is that okay? Because in my world, I think it is okay and it's okay to voice those things. And it actually does wonderful things for your relationship. Because I, ha- I think a lot of times when people hear that, we're in a long relationship. There's going to be times where we're going to be on fire for each other. And there's going to be times when we're not really into it. And I think that's the reality of a lot of people's relationship. And they're so scared to tell their partner, hey, right now, I'm just not into it sexually. You provide so many other things to me that's just not limited to just sex. Um, And so I think that it can heal a lot of the connection between a partner if they were able to say that and it not be demonized as this person's bad. And I may be only saying that because I'm on this end in the internet. You're trying to defend yourself from last year's public dragging. No, I'm trying to humanize it is what I'm trying to do. And that's the point of this podcast is humanizing the ugly truths about relationships. And that there's an assumption that because I didn't desire to have sex, A, we didn't have sex. And then B, was that there was no intimacy in our relationship. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, the desire and our intimacy was different. I was rubbing cocoa butter all over your belly, like all the time. I was doing things for you that were not directly related to sex, that it was more or less of like intimacy. And so this is my question to you is that if there's a space where we're not having sex, is it okay if all the other areas are being taken care of? Yeah, and I think that's what the point of this episode really is saying is that We have this narrative in society that if your sex life is going down, your intimacy is going down and your connection's going down, the passion is going down. So if it's not, and it's just an acknowledged season that both of you are going in, you can come to understanding, it's amazing. I think what's also really important to note is that 
you have to tell your partner or else it's in that gray that a lot of the issues can come from. Not the lack of sex, but the assumptions somebody can make about what their partner is experiencing or doing behind their back because there's a lack of sex. Yeah, like there's a there's a, a temptation to be like, well, they don't desire me because they may have somebody else yes. or they don't desire me because they fell out of love. Um, and th- th- in our case, that couldn't be further from the truth. Well, I think this happens a lot in my experience. Obviously, I talk to women. So a lot of women that I know who have a partner who has problems with erections. Mm. So they have erectile dysfunction to some degree. Their partner never addresses it and says, hey, I have a problem getting up. Instead, they stop initiating sex. They might be even negative towards their partner or make comments about their partner's body or desirability to try to deflect from the fact. But it's like, it's actually just much more helpful if you're just honest and you say, my body's not working the way that I wanted it to. So, all right, let's walk this back a little bit. Let's say that someone's listening and they're like, man, I'm in that space right now. I just don't desire to have sex. And my partner does. How do I come to this conversation gracefully? Because obviously I did not. I kind of came straight shooter. But if I had to redo it, what would be the advice that you give me or someone else that's listening that wants to come to their to their partner and t- talk about this? It was really, it would have been really helpful if you came to me versus me coming to you. And then invite dialogue. So yeah. it doesn't end there. Yeah. No, I like that. Going back to, I had this really big discussion about, um, you know, the pressures and the programming of, the way we think somebody will react to something. So we hold on to it and try to deal with it ourselves. And I think in that scenario, a lot of times partners, I know for myself, when we're going through something like that, we're like, ah, man, but this is going to hurt. And I just kind of, I hope I can just fix this myself without involving her and she doesn't notice. Um, But then it goes on for so long that it's impossible for you not to notice. And then you go into your own head. So it's just always the best policy to just bring it up. Well, in the spirit of that, we've been probably less sexual than we've been in our entire relationship. Yeah. Maybe. I can't remember the first trimester last time. I know it was similar. I don't know if it was like as for me. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was the same. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess this is your second go around of being in a dry ass relationship. What are you feeling? How are you? How's it been for you? Um, You know what? It's, it's, I understand more than I did last um, time. I understand more in the sense of like, you're going through a lot of changes and it's just enough. It's a lot of energy for you to just to get out of bed. And so I trying to really see it from the lens of you rather than the lens of me. I'm, I'm, I, I will admit that it is tough, um, especially now because I am so turned on by you. There's like a part of it that's just kind of like, I'm just going to have to take this one on the chin. And hopefully when she's not sick anymore, we can get back to business. Um, Because it's also the added pressure of we're trying to navigate our sex life with having a Mm one-year-old. So then we we roll that into now where it's like, now we have the one-year-old. Our windows of having sex are very slim. And then on top of that, it's like me trying not to take it personal of like every time we're alone, you happen to have a sick attack. And I'm just like... So we just, we just not going to have it. All right. I'm just going to take this on the chin right now. Um, but, but so yeah, what do you feel? Yeah. You know what? I don't feel any guilt. Um, As you shouldn't. I don't. You know what it is? I think what actually helps is seeing your connection with Ryu and being like, this is the cost. Yeah. yeah. Like this is, and you can't go through what I'm going through. You can't do this for me. You know, there's nothing you can do period, literally at all. Um, which is kind of like the frustrating thing sometimes. So I don't feel any guilt for it. And I'm grateful that I have the language now to effectively describe what I need and what I'm going through. 
I also started this season with you because like, I don't know if you noticed this. I don't even want to kiss. Like I couldn't drink oh, water. I know you don't mind that. I know you don't mind that. But I can't drink water because the taste of my own saliva makes me nauseous. Oh, wow. So imagine the taste of your saliva. So it might it, heal you though. It could, but <laughs> if ginger's not working, I'm going to guess. You don't even like ginger. I know, but the concept of ginger is supposed to help settle your stomach. Okay. What I'm saying overall is just, is not only are we not having sex, I am joyfully not having sex right now. And I have no interest and I have so much empathy. and I've gained so much empathy in the last pregnancy for low sex drive because I know what it's like because I've always been sexual and I've always, even if, you know, one of my favorite books talks about this, that for a lot of women in particular, that they may not even get turned on until they're five minutes into the act. So sometimes I don't want to have sex, but you initiate and we have, I wouldn't say a rule, but what we have done in our relationship historically is if one person comes on to the other person, the other person is like, okay, cool. We're doing this. Mm. We very rarely turn each other down. Mm. Um, if not probably ever. So usually even if I'm not in the mood at that moment, I'll get there five minutes in now I don't. So I don't want to. And so I came to you really early on. And I was like, Jared, I think you should get a friends with benefits. <laughs> I then also <laughs> flew you to an island where we are in a house on lockdown and you can't see anybody. So maybe there was some Jedi mind trick to that, but that is how passionate I am right now about being left alone sexually. So on the podcast, Deadass, uh, they were having a conversation where- I am not allowed <laughs> based on our marriage laws and uh -huh. the, the contract we signed with each other right. to have- with anybody else right so these urges that come mm -hmm. i have to share them with the one person <laughs> i decide to spend the rest of my life with right so that that brings me back to my 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 soundbite okay right i don't understand and this is what we can discuss mm -hmm. as a woman because i don't i don't want to say it's a man versus woman thing but a lot of women do complain oh my husband's always on me why is he always on me mm -hmm. if is going to be a chore for you that you don't really want to do. Why do women constantly push monogamy on men? If you know that you don't want to have to deal with him all the time just wanting you, mm -hmm. why do you push monogamy on men? Well, who's to say I pushed anything on anybody? Like, Well, we know that people... you pushed monogamy on me. I would love to know what your thoughts on that is now or if it hasn't changed. I mean, obviously, I think based on the comment that I said about me being like, get a friends of benefits... Yeah. I really do err on the side because almost to me right now, the last thing I want, I already feel guilty enough as is with Ryu. Like even yesterday when I was like, I need time to myself. And then you're like, stay away from mommy. She doesn't want to be with you. You didn't say that. That's what my That's mind hears. I, I know you didn't say that, but my mind hears that. And I'm like the guilt, you know, cause she doesn't have comprehension for what I'm going through. So because you do have comprehension, like the last thing I want is any added guilt or like any feelings of pressure. And to alleviate that, I'm like, do what? ever you have to do. I'm happy for it. And I love you. And I love the intimacy we share right now. And the last thing I want is resentment to creep in or for you not to be in a space where you feel like your best self. And I know as a sexual person, sex makes you feel like your best self. I know desire and feeling like a desirable man is so, so important to you. And I hope you know, with all my heart, I deeply desire you. Yeah. You've never been fine. And we talked about this. Yeah. You have never been better looking. You are so sexy. You are so fuckable. You are so wantable. Just personally right now, I just, again, like I said, I don't even desire to masturbate. Um, so yeah. for those reasons, I personally would feel like, yes, like we're so incompatible right now that it's logical for you to have another partner. If it's going to bring 
you balance and joy. And then as a result through compersion, I would feel joy. But, you know, I think the conversations are always good to have because there's no connection without true honesty. And if I'm lying to you or you're lying to me, then we're always just going to feel like there's something off. I will say that that conversation uh, between Kadeen and Duvall that on that podcast where it went wrong with wording, there's a very big difference between like, well, if you're not going to do it, then I should be allowed. Or like your obligation is to my sex drive drive versus coming at it from a feeling perspective. Like I feel my most ambitious. I feel like I can be the most focused father. I feel like the best version of myself when I'm around somebody who desires me sexually as much as I desire them. I understand that right now, for a number of reasons, you're just not quite there. And if there are things that I can do to help you get there, please let me know because I am passionate about that. However, if you just think right now, you're not frustrated with our sex life and you're actually happy with this balance, I'm not. So what are some options or agreements we can come to? Yeah, and that's the nice bowed up way of doing it, you know, but life is not bowed up, you know? And so I think if he could go back and do it again, he probably would come out with that perspective, but I think he was just frustrated. Well, what if during that time, because specifically if we rewind in time, so Jared Mm. and I are in different perspectives right now. So third trimester, last pregnancy, I was very horny. Mm. Um, I wanted to have sex a lot. My orgasms were stronger because I doubled the blood volume. Mm. Would you have been comfortable with me coming to you and saying, you're not interested, Yeah. but I am interested. So what can, what's up? What can I do? It would be tough for me. I'm not going to lie. And I think the only reason why it would be tough for you, for me, is because you're pregnant. And even like, even like you saying, go and, uh, and have another partner right now, it would be tough for me to, for me to go and do that because you're pregnant. And and it might be society, right? It might be society putting that on me. Um, because I remember when you said, Hey, I think it's time for you to find a, a, a little friends with benefits right now. My instant reaction was like, I just would feel off. Do you know what I did ask you for? What? I said, because not only did I get, you know, a bigger belly, I got mm. huge breasts Mm-mm. and I felt like you were not sexually in tune with my breasts mm. at that time. So I was like, can I send a picture of my breasts to somebody yeah. who I know is going to appreciate how hot they are? Yeah. And you were like, I would prefer you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I also said, if you need to do it. Yeah. You know, that's the part of the conversation. I'm just also telling, you know, my truth on it. I did. Yeah. I know you did. I blurred out the nipples though. No, it's still the same. It's not. I put an emoji <laughs> over the nipples. It's almost worse. <laughs> it's almost worse. I'm tell you that. I'm tell you that. My men's imagination is strong because <laughs> now we get to put the nipple that they in, like on it. You don't think my nipple is someone's dream nipple? I'm sure it is, but now this it for sure is with the thing covering it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a frog. If that helps. What would you? What, what? How would you feel if I sent a dick pic? I think, again, if we had that conversation about it and kind of knowing what I know now and if it made you feel kind of happier, more connected and at this present time, again, like I said, like I genuinely think that you've never been sexier than you are right now. Mm. And I can express that to you verbally, but I can't show you that appreciation mm. through sexual lust. And if you require that for your happiness and for your wellness, you know, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. <laughs> I can't. Just, I can't. 
<laughs> it's you see how this is this is manipulative. I'm gonna tell you why. Because how am I ever going to make it seem like my wellness is better because I sent a dick pic? Well, my wellness was better because I sent a picture yeah, of my boobs. It's manipulative. It's no, manip- it's not. It is. Though. I felt it's, it's, better. It's, I felt on fire. I brought that fire right, to our relationship. No, We're here together out, because of that. Everybody listening right now, if your man came to you and said, "Hey, my if my mental health is dwindling, I need to send a dick pic right now." So my, my, I feel better about myself. How would you respond? Let's be real. Um, this was a joyful conversation, an ongoing conversation. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. I'm very turned on by you. Yeah. But you don't want to show it. I don't. Okay. I don't want this to roll over into sexy time. I, I thought I, there was a split second where I thought, I was like, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can get off right now. Dear husband of mine, you make my life fine. Just like wine, we get better with time. You thought you were the rapper in the relationship. Babe, thank you so much. Shout out to you. Um, if you enjoyed Jared, because Jared's just real. <sighs> I say the word real so much. He's just real. Rachel's real. I mean, I only invite real motherfuckers on here. That's the real truth. See? Anyhow, um, please go and subscribe to Jared's podcast. Enjoy the podcast. It's with himself and two other men who are his best friends and they have authentic conversations about a male's perspective, mostly surrounding sex, love, and relationships. So if you like this podcast, it's a no-brainer to go and check that one out. And speaking of no-brainers, did you get Rachel's book yet? We talked about it a couple times. I made a very strong suggestion. I have several copies. So if you're really struggling, maybe hit me up and see what we can do together. But I think that you can muster something together, even if you, you know, borrow it from a friend or somebody, but to support this queen who is putting out incredible work, who is sharing her truth and who has beautifully and boldly come on here and started a conversation that I desperately needed to have. Um, try to show love in that way, if possible for you. The book is called Miss Me With That. The author is Rachel Lindsay, who you can find on Instagram at the Rachel Lindsay. That's the end of the podcast. It went a little long, so I'm going to keep it short on this episode and just say, rate, you can be great when you rate. You're already great, but it's really great when you rate the podcast. You can do it on Apple. I think Spotify actually now has a rating system too that's brand new for all you Spotify listeners. Um, It makes a huge impact to do that because that shows people how many individuals are like, this is worth your time. And I hope that you think it was worth your time. And if so, then I will talk to you next week. Until then, bye lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, lovers and friends. Yeah, and I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. A podcast is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Sham Boudram, and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, 2West Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Engineering by Peter Karam. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher. 